Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Hello and welcome to the Mindset Mentor. I'm Tanya Kohler, helping you cultivate a life you love. Well, I am super excited about today's show because one of my favorite things to talk about is our limiting beliefs, our perception, and I have a uh, human behavioral expert on the show who's going to help us to really sort of unpack why we do the things that we do, what's going on in our lives, and to actually help empower us to, to cultivate that life we love when we can start to understand the mechanics of the mind, the mind and the body. So my special guest today is Dr. Greg Schreuer, and he is a chiropractor, a kinesiologist, and a uh, human behavioral expert. So really fascinating to have that come together in a way that can really help to serve us both physically and mentally to, to really grab out and reach out and grab the life that we deserve. Well, Dr. Greg, it is an absolute pleasure having you here on the Mindset Mentor today, joining me all the way from Sydney, Australia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. It's awesome. Well, it's really cool that we can connect like this. And, um, you know, I think it's so interesting, the the work that you do, the culmination of, you know, the different sciences sort of coming together through chiropractic care, uh, kinesiology, and of course, you know, human behavioral uh, studies. So I'd love you if you could just share a little bit, bit uh, about your background and what that means, because I think some people listening may not really understand, uh, you know, what is the, you know, human behavioral science and also also, really, what is kinesiology? I mean, think, these are all things that I think, you know, people have maybe heard of, touched on, tried perhaps some of those modalities, including chiropractic care, but they don't really fully understand uh, and how they can actually integrate together. Okay, cool. Um, so chiropractic is kind of where I began my journey as a professional. <clears throat> and mostly the reason why was I wanted to be a a medical practitioner. So initially I went into Cairo as a way to get into medicine. Um, but the one thing that I really fell in love with, with Cairo, which kind of ties into the kinesiology and human behavioral side, which I'll get into in a moment, is this philosophy of chiropractic. So chiropractic works according to um, what's called the triangle of health, the triad of health, which covers three aspects of the way the body functions. So it looks at your biochemistry, so all the chemistry inside of your system, so mm. nutritions or to nutritional toxins, um, structure, which is common to traditional chiropractic work, so that's adjusting your bones and joints and very musculoskeletal focused, um, and then emotions, which is the stress uh, that we feel and how our body responds to stress. So we, as, a chi as chiropractors, we focus on all three. Not all chiropractors tend to, in their own practices, focus on all three together. Some mm -hmm. will refer out, but 
the way that I've always worked in my career is I look at all three pieces. So as a consequence of that, that kind of eventually led me down the kinesiology road in my master's degree. Um, I had a problem with a shoulder injury that traditional chiro wasn't fixing and physio wasn't fixing. And um, the guy that I landed up working with out of university, he used to lecture once a semester at uni on this particular technique uh, called NET or neuroemotional technique is what it stands for. And I couldn't go, but I heard about it. And I was like, I need to go see him. I want to see if this can help me. Because so it, it sounded fascinating that the mind and our perceptions and our emotions could affect the way the body functions. Uh-huh. And so I went and saw him and I was blown away. First session completely blew my mind. I was like, what the heck? I had a weak <laughs> muscle. He did this treatment and all of a sudden the muscle strong afterwards. And I'm like, what just happened? And six months later, shoulders resolved. I'd landed up starting to study it in my master's program as a student. Mm-hmm. So I started using it in student clinic before I graduated. And then eventually when I um, I started in practice, that's pretty much what I've been using as a Cairo for the last almost 17 years of my career. Um, now, what kinesiology is, the different types of kinesiology, I think, uh, where are you based just out of curiosity? So Canada, Toronto, basically the greater Toronto area. So we're in Mississauga. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I lived in Toronto for a year. And every time people asked me what kinesiology was, yeah. they were like, oh, I didn't know that what, that's what it was. Because mm-hmm. from what I understand, um, a lot of people in Canada understand kinesiology as it's like a degree. It's like a study of muscle movement and rehab. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the way that the way that we use kinesiology in Australia, and the way we talk about it, is more on the, the application of muscle movement and mm-hmm. using muscle movement as indications or as diagnosis for what's happening under the surface in the body. So the technique. Um, which really comes from an applied kinesiology version of kinesiology is designed to ultimately help resolve the impact of stress on the physical parts of the body. Mm -hmm. So when you experience stress. mm -hmm. I mean, this is great. Everybody wants to know this because I think everyone has some degree of stress in their lives. Sometimes, you know, every single day, every moment, sometimes it feels like, right? So it's so needed to figure out, okay, what can we do about stress? So that's why I love having conversations like this where we can really, you know, start to be proactive and do things Mm -hmm. that can really help us to eliminate some of those heavy stressors in our lives. Correct. And for most people, in fact, for all people, every time we feel stress, and you would probably know this yourself, anytime we feel any type of stress or any type of emotion, we feel it in the body. We don't feel it in the brain. The brain actually has no sensory input. You can, you can do brain surgery on a person while they're awake and they wouldn't feel it. So it, all our sensation, all our emotion, all our feeling is felt in the body. And what kinesiology is designed to do is alleviate the impact of that stress, the chemistry associated with stress, which is usually cortisol and adrenaline, and there's mm-hmm. a few others, obviously, the impact of that on the cells and the physical tissues of the body. And the more we can alleviate that impact of stress on the physical parts of the body, the easier it is for the body to repair. But this also goes beyond the physiology. It goes beyond the because we might have other experiences in our lives, whether it's a relationship problem or a financial issue or a business issue, and we can still experience the stress of that the emotional stress of that, which can still play a toll on the physical body. And the goal really is to help calm down our emotional reactions and our perceptions of what we're dealing with so we can have more clarity around the decisions we make and the choices we make with 
within every area that we're having, um, I guess, opposition in or challenge with. That's yeah. really the kinesiology side. Uh, yeah, I love that. You know, it's so interesting because I think that the body is so great in giving us a signal as to, hey, listen, something's not not in alignment and we need to do something, you know, to get us back on track. So uh, it, phenomenal. Um, I think everyone at some point has experienced pain um, and, and, and sometimes it's debilitating. So it really affects the quality of our lives. So whatever we can do to foster, you know, better health and wellness, uh, you know, really helps us in our day to day. And it's challenging when you're experiencing physical pain, obviously emotional pain as well, right? It compounds that too. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of um, you want to go back to something that you said in your own experience where, you know, you had this session with a chiropractor, I believe it was, and all of a sudden, you know, everything seemed to be great after. So what happened? What was it? And was it, was it linked to sort of an emotional uh, factor in your life? Yes, predominantly shoulders are, are very tricky things in the body. They're not the most stable joint in the body. So usually there's a lot of emotion in shoulders, actually. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people hold stress in that area of the body more than, more than most places. Um, so a lot of the issues that kept coming up in relation to my shoulder were relating to either stuff that I'd gone through with my parents that I hadn't resolved yet um, issues with an ex-girlfriend or multiple ex-girlfriends at that <laughs> stage. With not, not that there were that many, um, <laughs> um, but lots of stuff that I just hadn't resolved. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I was impacting my shoulder, um, it was just a weak area. So wherever there's weakness in your physiology, mm -hmm. that's often where the breakdown of cortisol and adrenaline and some of those other chemicals tend to go. It's a path of least resistance for toxins. Huh. So some people will have it in their neck. Some people have it in their back. Some people have it in their jaw. Some people have it in their shoulders, in their elbows. Some are more organic. So some are more like digestion related or lung related or sinuses. So it just depends on the person's weaknesses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's based on genetics. It's based on any injuries or um problems that we've had growing up and so those are the weak areas and so wherever there's weakness that's the path of least resistance for emotional chemistry wow okay that's so that was just i was just holding a lot of it yeah you know really kind of fascinating so if we were to eliminate every weakness in the body so when we have our you know body real in full top shape does that mean that we actually are more resilient physically 100 percent. Mm -hmm. i mean Obviously, genetics play a huge role in how the body functions. So we all have some degree of weakness mm -hmm. um, and we have strength to counterbalance that weakness. So we all have a mixture. Of, we can't have one without the other because yeah. nature, doesn't, nature doesn't ever uh, allow us to have one side without another side. <laughs> so yeah. we all have a little bit of that weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and the key is being able to have greater levels of awareness around those weaknesses in our body, mm -hmm. whether it's a genetic, uh, a genetic influence that's created that, a congenital problem, so we were born with it um, because something happened in utero or we developed it through our life. The greater level of awareness we have around it, the easier it is to manage it long term. The mm -hmm. easier it is for us to make sure that we can protect that area as best as possible as we're moving through our life because it's always going to be there. Um, but we can do things to make sure that it doesn't uh, constantly irritate us or plague us or get in the way of our momentum as we're moving forward through life.
Yeah, well, that's certainly a good goal to have, right? Um, so it's interesting yes. because if I think about, uh, you know, my own personal experience and, you know, physical pain, you know, throughout decades, let's say, um, I've, I, I've noticed that there, yeah, there's definitely like, you know, one sort of area that's more predominant, but I also experience like a shift, right? Um, so I feel like I've cleared things in my life and then, then something else will happen. <laughs> Maybe moves to a different area. I got to work on that as well. But, you know, I kind of find that really interesting. Um, you know, I, and I would love to get your thoughts on, um, you know, stored trauma. Do we do mm -hmm. we hold on to all of that trauma? And once we, you know, release that emotionally, um, does it automatically sort of unlock those, you know, areas in the body that have really sort of seized up? I think sometimes we uh, shut ourselves off from the world and that creates a lot of physical, you know, uh, problems in the body as well. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 100%. So, yes, trauma is stored in the body as mm -hmm. well as obviously in our subconscious mind where we process all of that. So you can release trauma. Trauma is not a fixed point in mm -hmm. the system. Um, usually when we experience trauma or our perception of trauma, because it's often the way we interpret events more yes. than the actual event being the way it actually is, mm -hmm. um, we can rebalance that perspective. So I'll give you a very simple um, story that I heard about this, and then I'll explain how that kind of helps with the body as well. Um, I went to a, a conference in the US a couple of years ago, just before COVID, um, for this technique actually, because I wanted to certify in it. So you don't you don't need certification, but I just wanted to do it. Um, and I'd been thinking about it for years. I was like, okay, this is the year. Went there, and the lady who co-developed the technique with her husband, she was lecturing, and she told us of a story of another seminar she was giving to another bunch of chiros and and practitioners and about a demo that she was doing on this guy on stage and he had this trauma associated with his father where he believed his father was abusive towards him and he had this really strained relationship with his dad and so they did this whole session on the stage did the clearing his brother happened to be in the audience who was also a Cairo and during the lunch break he went over to the lady who did the demo and he said I've got to tell you the story about what he told you the original event I've got to tell you what actually happened because oh. I was there mm. and he said we all went camping and we were all sitting around this fire roasting marshmallows and just having a good time and singing and doing all that stuff and my brother who's younger than me he was stuffing around and mucking around and he got too close to the fire and his clothes caught a light. Mm. 
And so what my father did is he went and got a very heavy blanket. He pushed my brother on the floor and started beating the fire out of him. But my brother remembered the beating part, didn't remember the blanket, didn't remember Mm. the fire, didn't remember any of that stuff. And so developed this whole emotional reality in his mind that his dad beat him and abused him. And so had a lot of resentment, a lot of anger towards his dad for the majority of his life because he felt his dad was abusive. The time his dad maybe got a bit angry or a bit irritable, he got fearful because he thought his dad was going to hit him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say, like, I mean, I'm listening to the story and I'm literally getting like goosebumps, like the, the shivers, because I, and I'm imagining this, this, uh, you know, young kid going through that experience um, and now mm-hmm. holding on to a belief that is inaccurate. But I think that, you know, the brain tries to protect us. And, and maybe that point of him is clothes actually catching fire was just too much for him to process that block that out completely. But talk about Correct. a different, uh, you know, reality. Totally. The brain will always, I mean, consciously, we can only process about 2 to 4% what's happening per second. So out of all the information that's coming through our senses, it's such a small amount, and then we fill in the gaps. And a lot of the memories that we have and a lot of the beliefs that we have commonly are mostly emotional reality. So it's mostly stuff that isn't really accurate, 100% mm-hmm. accurate. And so when we have these experiences and we store this trauma in the body, it can over time affect our physiology depending on where we're storing it and depending on the weaknesses we're having in, in our system. And as we start resolving that, which can sometimes take time depending on the processes that we're using, mm-hmm. as we work through that and we start resolving that, then the body starts getting into action again. It starts resolving itself again. Because commonly in a pattern like that, for example, that person's going to be an avoidant pattern. They're going, to, they're going to avoid a lot of perceived challenge and seek pleasure instead. So they're going to be a bit more one-sided because they want to be more supported than hurt in some way. Mm. Now, commonly, that's going to create a lot of stress in a work environment because they want things to be more positive than negative. So they're going to deal with way more conflict, mm-hmm. way more challenge. They're going to stress them out mentally and emotionally. They're going to put a lot more pressure on themselves, especially a man tending to do that in a work environment, which will usually cause back problems or heart problems or things like that, which is more common to men. Mm-hmm. And then you start developing the physiology or the physiological manifestations of uh, whatever it is we're not dealing with, whatever it is we're not, we haven't resolved yet. So yes, resolving trauma can ultimately uh, help the body repair itself and heal and get it back into its natural rhythm and natural flow. Yeah, and well, that's really the goal, right? We want to get back into alignment and, and, and start feeling great and empowered in our lives. There's so many things that hold us back in life, and I f- feel um, that, you know, a lot of that is linked to, again, as you talked about, our perception, you know, our limiting beliefs, our thoughts, our patterns, our behavior. So we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to delve into more of that. Can't wait to continue the conversation. So stay tuned, everyone. We will be back here on Saga 960. You're listening to The Mindset Mentor. I'm Tanya Kohler, and my special guest, guest today is Dr. Greg Schreuer. Stay tuned. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960am.ca.
and welcome back to the Mindset Mentor. I'm Tanya Kolar. I hope you are having an absolutely phenomenal day and feeling optimal. You know, how's your spirits today? How's your mind? How's your body? Well, I want you to stay tuned for this hour because we're going to really help to bring things back into alignment. Oftentimes, we know in our lives that something's not working, but we don't really uh, know how to make a change or really how to identify what's going on in the body and in the mind. So my special guest today is going to help us out, Dr. Greg Schreuer. He is a chiropractic um, expert as well as a human behavioral expert and a kinesiologist. So combining all of that knowledge together, I think, is absolutely fascinating and can really help us to identify a lot of the uh, you know issues going on inside the body we've all had it uh, or have them you know from time to time so it's really nice to sort of delve a little deeper into that so uh, dr. Greg it's so great to have you on the show and to continue the conversation um, you know really fascinating how our our thoughts you know uh, dictate our lives uh, and control our reality and you know what's happening so you know I love that story that you shared uh, about the gentleman who what you know was uh, completely perceiving a reality differently than what actually happened factually. I think we all do that because it's just, I think, um, could be just a protective mechanism, you know, or maybe denial even sometimes. We just don't want to know the truth. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'd love for, for you to delve a little deeper into um, our perceptions and our limiting beliefs. And, you know, limiting beliefs are one of my favorite things to talk about because I had so many of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and by the way, you know, they still come back once in a while, right, They to, cha- to challenge me. But I, I literally, I, I, I had so many limiting beliefs. And, you know, I learned to reprogram my mind um, and you know it wasn't an overnight process and I had no idea that I even had issues or limiting beliefs and wow once I started to become aware of them I thought wow where is this coming from and it doesn't make any sense and I think that you know a lot of people listening can relate to that where you know they have blocks in their lives and they don't know exactly what it is that's holding them back but they know it's something so where do we start in that case how can we delve deeper and to find the source and the root of that okay well um it's it's commonly known in psychology um that a lot of our conditioning starts from birth to roughly around five to seven years old those are my most, most formative years it, there are, there are other people who believe um differently to that i do uh where a lot of our beliefs can stem from in the womb as well. So mm-hmm. even as early as conception and onwards, even though we're not cognizant as uh, and aware at conception, we're taking on a lot of the values and beliefs and conditioning of, you know, the genetic blueprint that we come from. Mm-hmm. And then as we're developing in the womb, four weeks into gestation, our primitive or prematurely developed nervous system is already developing. So that's the brainstem and spinal cord, which is the sensory part of us. And then the limbic brain, which is your subconscious mind, is the next evolution of that. That's kind of almost switching on around that time. Mm-hmm. So we're taking in information, processing information, storing information. We have no awareness of any of that at that stage, um, but we're taking it in and absorbing it and learning via osmosis, via the connection to mom, um, or via other people who are connected to her, and we have sensory awareness of all of that. So a lot of our conditioning and our learned behaviors and all the limitations that we are kind of then subscribe to and develop within that time frame. 
And once we start school and we start interacting with other tribal belief systems, Mm -hmm. you know, other kids come from different tribal beliefs and values and genetics. Then we start, you know, seeing that there's different ways of looking at the world, different ways of living, different ways of experiencing things, of engaging, of connecting. Uh, We usually have conflict with that. We sometimes get stressed about it. We sometimes are then comparing ourselves. And then the next evolution will be high school, which is around 12, 13, 14 years old when we go through another evolutionary cycle where we now are trying to separate from tribal belief systems and trying to find who we are in the mix mm-hmm. of everything. And usually high school is the most challenging time for a lot of people because we've had all this conditioning in the early stages of our lives, all these beliefs and values that we subscribe to, some not necessarily resonant with who we actually are. Then we inter, uh, interconnect or connect with other people in their ways of being Uh, which then can affect our self-esteem and our confidence and how we look at the world and how we see ourselves in relation to others. And then that changes, obviously, how we feel about ourselves. And then we get into high school and then we're now trying to figure out who who am I? What am I supposed to be doing now? What's the direction I'm supposed to be going in? What do I love? What's my purpose? Where do I fit into the world? Who's my social group? Uh, Where's my status in the social hierarchy? Like that all starts to come into play more in high school. Um, and then obviously that continues on as further iterations post high school, but generally all of our limitations, conditioning, learned behaviors, beliefs, values, all of that stuff, um, usually is within the first five to seven years of our life. Mm -hmm. And if we don't go back and resolve that stuff, um, then oftentimes it's quite difficult to navigate forward and to move forward because all we're going to have after that are further iterations or variations of what we learned as kids. Yeah, it's so a trigger, we'll it's a trigger, right? It's and so so, someone says something and you react in a way, but you're reacting as that 5-year-old or the 6-year-old or the 7-year-old, right? As opposed to what's Correct. going on in that moment. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Correct. And I mean, there will be things as we get older that we'll get triggered to and we'll react to. So... Um, as a perfect example of this, when I've been married once before, excuse me, I've been married once before. I didn't work out, unfortunately, or fortunately, actually. <laughs> um, I came back to Australia. I was living in Canada when that was happening. And when I met my wife, who, or my partner, who I'm now married to, probably in the first two years of our relationship, there was things that she would say or things that she would do, which would often trigger me and remind me of my ex. And I Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily know that in the moment. Um, After the moment or soon after the moment, I realized, okay, I'm like reacting to that event. Um, However, the issue really that I had around my ex was more an issue that I had with my mom. It was more of an issue that went further back. Mm-hmm. It was just the most recent one was coming to the surface because that was the most prominent one that my brain could kind of connect to, which sometimes is what the brain will do. It just gives us context of mm-hmm. what, what the issue is. Um, but then it gave me more of an opportunity to go and work through some of those issues, some of that unresolved stuff that's still hanging around. Uh, in relation to my experience that I had with my mom growing up. 
So most of our stuff is when we're really young. Yeah, that's fascinating, you know, and I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's so interesting because I think that if we can, you know, just sit with the emotion that comes up, you know, when we're triggered, if we can just sit with the emotion, not, you know, have to define it or label it, but just literally sit with it um, and be brave to go there uh, and just allow that that emotion to come up, you know, typically you'll find that you can start to unpeel the layers, right? It's like an onion, you peel off the layers. And if you sit with that emotion longer and deeper, you're going to start to find that it's going to go eventually to the core if you do that over and over. And I know I've done that in my own life where, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, explored it because you can sometimes understand that a reaction is you know not appropriate to a situation um, but we have these feelings so what's behind it and I think you know if we can just look behind the feeling we're going to start to unravel that core you know the core that's trapped in the body somewhere in the body right it's a signal giving us you know something or it's a thought it's a memory something that has triggered us so I think it's important to you know to explore to analyze to look a little deeper and to and to sort of free some of that that uh, the heavy burden that we carry through through our past through our history and I know that that's something that um, you know you delve into as well you know helping people yes. you know not not necessarily identify with their history not to get locked in that history right correct so what I normally do and this is something I learned from one of my mentors mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of doing this before didn't really have a lot of the language to describe mm -hmm. it but I was doing it anyway um, and then when I did some work initially uh, with him the way that he would describe a lot of the things that I was naturally doing with patients at the time, then all of a sudden I had this language to communicate mm -hmm. things in more, in more of a concise and consistent way. So what I normally would do when I work with someone now is if, let's say, for example, using the example I gave you of myself, if let's say they were triggered by their partner and their partner in their perception put them down, if let's say that's what they perceived. So what I would do, which is something I learned from my mentor, is I would go, okay, well, whatever you see in someone else is something inside of you that you just haven't owned yet. Yeah. So how about we go and how about we go and own that? So you can take all the charge off, mm -hmm. and then let's work out how it's actually benefiting you, so you can actually counterbalance your perspective on this. So what we would normally do is we'd do it. I'd ask the question: When and where in your life have you put somebody else down or made them feel small? Maybe not in the same way that's been done to you, maybe in a very different form, but to the same degree. And let's look for at least 20 to 50 memories where you've done that, where other people have witnessed you so you can be accountable to the fact and not deny and not lie to yourself and say, I'm not like that, mm -hmm. because that's not true. We're, we're Whatever we see in others, we're that too, but oftentimes we don't want to own it because we have judgments on it, we have fears around being that way. We have shame and guilt that we just don't want to overcome. So we just don't want to confront it. Mm -hmm. So commonly, then they'll go through that process. They'd go and own it, realize they're no different to the person who's obviously doing what they, whatever it is that, you're, that they're doing. And then we go through the process of asking, well, how is it currently benefiting you? So they're putting you down. Sure, we can look at the negative because the brain's always going to go there first. But how is it helping you? What is it getting you to do? What actions are you taking in response to it? Are you just keeping quiet are you keeping are you shutting yourself up are you isolating yourself what do you, you most people when they get put down by somebody else don't necessarily just stay silent <laughs> especially when they're adults yeah exactly they'll, they'll speak mm -hmm. up right they'll stand up for themselves they'll mm -hmm. push back which tells me that you're choosing to prioritize yourself you're choosing to value yourself you're actually 
gathering respect within yourself because that person's challenging you to do that. Mm. And how would that benefit you in all the different areas of your life? How would that benefit you mentally to stand up for yourself? How would that benefit you in your career, in your financial life, in your family life, in your social life, your physical life, your spiritual life, for you to be doing all of this stuff? And the goal is to uh, uncover at least 20 to 50 benefits, but there could be more. And it's usually until they get that aha moment, that light bulb, where they can see the balance, they can see the benefits that match the downsides, but then they also feel it at the same time in the body. So it's a body-mind connection, which is really the higher mind and the lower mind of the brain integrating. Yeah. And it's in that moment that we neutralize the charge. And all of a sudden, we don't fear it any longer. All of a sudden, we don't have judgment on it any longer. All of a sudden, in that moment, we start. We feel a thank you bubble up inside of the body where we actually want to say to the person, thank you so much for putting me down. It's really helped me grow. Or it's helped me do this. <laughs> or it's helped me take this action. Yeah. So my objective really with all the people I work with is to put people in their hearts not to put people below them or above them. Because as soon as you're doing that, you're actually causing stress inside of your system. Hmm. Interesting. So I want to help people regulate their perspectives on everything that they're seeing and everything that they're witnessing as much as possible. So they're less emotionally attached to what they experience. It doesn't mean they can't feel emotion. It's just they're not emotionally buying into it. Oh, yes, that's a beautiful, uh, you know, difference, right? So thank you for clarifying that. Um, you know, really, really interesting, because, um, you know, we, we all, I think, can, there's usually one person in particular in our lives that really just pushes our buttons, it's a trigger. Um, and as you say, yeah. we got to own that what we don't like in them, you know, is part of us. Um, and, you know, I can also, you know, think of people in, in my life where I'm like, I'm really annoyed by this person. And then when I start to think about it, I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I annoyed? It's me. <laughs> you know, it's something that's reminding me, this little trigger. Um, so I think that we need to embrace those shadow parts of ourselves, right? The ones that we don't mm -hmm. like, that we try to avoid, that we think, oh, no, I don't have that quality. You know, that's only for people like that, right? But it's like, well, hold yes. on a second. If I'm recognizing it, it means I have it too. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Whatever we see in another person is just a reflection of ourselves. Yeah. Like I used to be labeled a load of, a load of different things mm -hmm. and people still call me this. I don't, but I don't have emotional attachment to it. And th from their perspective, they're a hundred percent accurate through the lens that they're looking through the beliefs that they have. The label that they're giving me is correct. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I'm selfish from your point of view. I'm arrogant from your point of view. I'm cocky from your point of view. I'm being rude, maybe, from your point of mm -hmm. view. And I can totally see that. It doesn't mean that's the only perspective, though. Yes. Because then I'll have another bunch of people on the other side who have a completely different belief system and a completely different set of values. And I'll look at the actions that I'm taking and they might go, all he's doing is honoring himself. All he's doing is being confident. All he's doing is being self-assured, mm -hmm. as an example, right? They'll label it differently. Yeah. So both labels are correct. None of them are wrong. It's just different perspectives on one person's action. So at the end of the day, it's the same thing that we're doing to other people. At the end of the day, people are just being people. It's our the way we've been taught, actually, through society, through culture, through religion, through our own family dynamics, why one set of actions is perceivably negative versus another set of actions being perceivably good. 
But in the reality, the rest of the brain behind the neocortex, the cognitive part of the brain, the brain doesn't look at any action as a positive or a negative. Mm -hmm. An action is just an action. It's just a thing that's happening. It's the conscious brain way, the way we've been taught, that says this is good and this is bad. Because we need that conscious mind to help us differentiate between things in our environment. It's what helps us live in a world of matter. Otherwise, we wouldn't know how to cope. So we need the neocortex to help us understand our world. Mm -hmm. If we only lived in the subconscious mind, it would be very, very challenging. Oh, boy. Yeah, let me tell you, that would be very challenging indeed. Uh, so I re uh, it calls to mind a story that I heard of two sisters. Um, obviously, uh, well, they're sisters. They grew up in the same home. Um, and they're just maybe a, a year or two apart. And they, uh, their father would lock them in the bathroom as punishment when they were, you know, not behaving and, put them in the bathroom and you know later in life these girls were recounting their experience one of the uh sisters said it was terrible he locked us in the bathroom it was so awful i was by myself and you know she had this you know whole story of how awful it was and then the other girl, when she was recounting her experience, she said, oh, it was actually great. You know, I was locked up. I had my own time. I had fun. I had this, you know, play imagination. So it was the same experience perceived completely differently, right? So I Correct. thought, wow, what a what an interesting story um, to, again, like it really um, – encourage us to to look at our reality and if there's something that really doesn't feel like it's serving us well how can we find it and look at it and view it in a different way to perceive it in a different way that we can move forward powerfully well we're going to continue the conversation here on saga 960 with my special guest today dr greg schruer who is a chiropractor he's a kinesiologist and also a human behavioral expert helping us to you know kind of figure out what makes us stick why we do the things that we do and sometimes even like why we don't do some of the things that we know we should do <laughs> all right we're going to take a break and be right back here on saga 960 stay tuned stream us live at saga 960 Welcome back to the Mindset Mentor. We are helping you cultivate a life that you love. And remember that your mindset is like a muscle that needs to be strengthened and conditioned. So I want you to consider this your mindset workout. We're going to have you working out your life, taking a look at your perceptions and your limiting beliefs, um, and, and, and really look at, you know, how are they serving you or are they not serving you? Things that we can, you know, you know drop away or let fall away and things that we can bring in and, and really highlight to, to help us, you know, get to, to the uh, the life that we love that feels good, right? We want to feel good. And I think too many people on this planet are not living a life that they love. They go to work, they hate their jobs, or they dislike it very much. You know, hate is a powerful word. But I think that, you know, the little things that we can do in life, and maybe we're, we're, we are in a situation that we can't necessarily change everything, but it's the small things that we can change that can exponentially advance our lives. So we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Greg Schreuer. He's a chiropractor 
chiropractor, he's a kinesiologist, and a human behavioral expert. And I just love all of these topics, Dr. Schreuer. I mean, this is fantastic. It's a great conversation. I'm absolutely loving the conversation. Um, so let's just jump right back in. And, you know, you had mentioned at some point, um, you know, in, in this uh, interview that you believe that a lot of our past, you know, is from, you know, ages maybe like, you know, up to seven, you know, um, but it stems back. So even down, you know, as far back as the womb. Um, so can we go back there a little bit? Because I want to talk about, you know, how that really, um, you know, influences us. And it's, it's proven scientifically as well. I mean, this is science-backed information that we can, you know, take on and absorb that information from our, you know, uh, mom, you know, in the case of being in the womb. And obviously our surrounding, our limiting beliefs come from, from that. It, it really dictates our, our patterns and our habits and our beliefs and certainly our perceptions. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yes, I spoke about <clears throat> a lot of the stuff that happens in the womb. What I didn't speak about, uh, which I sometimes deal with with patients and clients mm -hmm. occasionally, it uh, just depends on the person, uh, is we can sometimes go even further back. Now, that might sound a little bit odd because, you know, to some people I wasn't alive, so how am I going to remember anything? Mm -hmm. uh, but remember, you have the genetic blueprint of your family and various generations that have come beforehand. And you, we can see a lot of evidence in a lot of different cultures and um, even racial groups who've experienced problems in their past, mm -hmm. um, whether it's slavery in the US, whether it's um, apartheid in South Africa, whether it's the Holocaust for Jewish people. I'm Jewish, so mm -hmm. I come from that understanding mm -hmm. and you'll often find even though there's generations that have come that have passed between the original event that usually our grandparents would have gone through our great-grandparents would have gone through um, some for some reason and somehow we have some connection to it we have some feeling about it some association with it some people like for example being Jewish um, there are and uh, this is and this is no thing on anything to do with the people in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. This is not my judgment about anything, but it's because of the experiences that people went through during that time and the dissatisfaction that they had with uh, the people in that time. And sometimes later generations can still feel that same dissatisfaction, that same feeling of discomfort inside of their own body, that same emotional trauma is there. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how does that happen? Well, it's not some woo-woo thing. It's not like some people might see it from that perspective, from a very spiritual point of view, and that's okay. There's no right or wrong. I don't believe in I don't believe in right or wrong. Everyone's got different points of view and perspectives on this, but I look at things more on the ground level. So I look at things more from a scientific perspective and more from a genetic or epigenetic influence point of view or transgenerational point of view. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes people are carrying trauma from old stuff that is permeating through their existence and through their life and they're living through it as if it's their reality, but they don't, they don't understand why it keeps happening or they don't understand why they feel that way or they don't understand why they keep attracting similar situations that happen for their parents or their grandparents. Um, so oftentimes we work with that as well and help calm down and clear out the genetic influences or the epigenetic influences that are having an impact on how people are functioning in their realities today. It doesn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's the most common thing that I deal with, 
But if it happens, we go explore it. So I don't necessarily look at it like some practitioners would look at it as past life stuff. Mm -hmm. I look at it as let's look at it as a generational issue. So we're looking at generation before, previous generation before that, et cetera, et cetera, and seeing what the genetic influence and epigenetic impact would be, uh, which is a lot more grounded, I feel. Mm -hmm. And that's just my approach. And oftentimes a lot of patients will connect to that more because it makes sense because they can track that history and they can track that uh, genetic influence and they can can track the behavioral influence. And something that I just wanted to add um, just in relation to this is more to do with like physiological issues that people present with from generation to generation. Yeah. So like heart problems or cancers, for example, or back issues or whatever it might be, you'll find in generations prior to the one that you're in, if there are certain beliefs and values that permeate from one generation to the next, they're not resolved, they don't ever get cleared out, the physiological manifestation of that actually moves from one generation to the next. And so then you land up having the same thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the main goals, and that's more epigenetics more than anything else, the influence of your environment, beliefs and behaviors, influencing gene expression. Mm -hmm. And so the goal really would be to help calm down all of those beliefs and those values so you don't actually pass that on to the next generation so they don't land up actually having the same epigenetic impact that previous gener- generations have had on you. Yeah, you know, that's really fascinating. And absolutely, you know, we can take charge and change it. You know, it doesn't have to continue. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I'm really fascinated by transgenerational epigenetic uh, inheritance. And, you know, I've read some stories on that, which I found, you know, fascinating, uh, exactly to that point where, um, you know, people were living out somebody else's trauma, you know, from, from their ancestors. Um, and, and yeah. Uh, so it's, I think it's a kind of a, an interesting point to maybe do a little bit of research in the family history and the family tree. And, and, you know, we may not always figure out the answers, you know, and there may not be anyone around to ask these questions, but if mm-hmm. there are, you know, I would ask the question, you know, both of my parents have passed and I, I wish now that I have this knowledge, I could ask them, <laughs> you know, some questions. Yeah, and explore further um, but but it can absolutely stop here if there's a pattern that we don't like if there's something that's not serving us you know we can really work to to change that to to set up our environment in a way that's going to empower us um, you know again uh, you know I, I love the work of uh, dr. Bruce Lipton that talks about you yeah. know that environment right as you were discussing right with the uh, you know the epigenetics um, and so there there are certainly a lot of things that we can look to and it really begins with our mind mindset if we look at our lives you know everything is equated to mindset our our um, our reality it's our those perceptions are our beliefs so you know we want to condition and strengthen the mindset as much as possible to get us to where we want to be to move us from an area that we don't want to be in to somewhere else where we can thrive where we can flourish because I think so many people uh, dr. Greg are are simply surviving especially going through um, you know a lot of the stress that collectively we've gone through it now seems that people's tolerance is much lower and they're triggered Mm -hmm. more often in daily situations that would not normally be a trigger so what can uh the listeners do in a case like that to kind of um take stock in that moment to bring themselves back to like okay hold on a second am i overreacting here 
So the thing that I'll say, this is the thing I say to people all the time. So first identify specifically what the trigger is. So the more you understand what the trigger is, the more you understand what specifically is happening to you mm-hmm. and you can give it a, a give it like context. Um, same process that I mentioned before is I get them to go look for when and where in your life have you done it? Own it, take it away from, from you. So stop being the victim of the experience that you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. Take ownership of that mm-hmm. so you can stop being that victim and then find out how it's serving you. So counterbalance your perspective. So I remember when we went through COVID, I had a very specific perspective on the way things were being handled and I got really reactive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I put a label on the authorities collectively doing whatever mm-hmm. I perceived that they were doing. And I went, okay, when and where have I done that? And I realized where I'd done that. I was like, oh God, I've done it to the same degree as them. Oh, I just didn't realize that I'd done that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, there's no way I've done this. There's no, I've never done this to human beings before, but I had. And once I realized it, it really humbled me a lot, mm-hmm. massively. And it took so much charge of what was going on. And when I started looking at the benefits to me, it was helping me do and help me accomplish and come up with as ideas and I was like, I'm, like, I'm so grateful this is actually happening because it's helping me navigate myself and push myself into a direction in my life that I never even would have comprehended it would ever do. And I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't turn around and go, you need to deal with this differently. You need to handle the population differently. You need to handle us differently. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, thank you, for do- thank you for doing that. It really made a huge difference in my life. Wow. So the goal is to always own what you see. So you take the pat- take take the... Uh, I guess the power of somebody else having this control of you away. So you're back in ownership, you're back in power and control and then find out how it's serving you. So ask that question until you get an aha moment. Yes. And when you get that aha moment, then you stop because that's when you've neutralized it. And usually you feel thank you in that moment. Oh, I love that. You know, and it's really looking for the opportunity in the moment. You know, I sometimes will, you know, catch myself uh, and I'll, I'll say, isn't it interesting, you know, that this is happening? Isn't it interesting that I'm doing this? Because now I'm delving deeper and I'm exploring that, right? Um, so finding what that root is. You know, such great information. I'm loving the conversation. You know, unfortunately, we are out of time. So I, I want to say thank okay. you, Dr. Shur, for being here today and sharing a wealth of knowledge and helping us to, um, you know, really put into practice some key tools that we can use right away. Um, We can get started and we can also start to cut the cord um, of the past so that we're no longer carrying some of the stuff that no longer belongs to us that we sort of inherited right through our our DNA. (laughs) 100%. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being on your show. It's been fantastic. It's awesome. Yeah, that was so great. All right, everyone. Well, you've got the tools to cultivate a life you love because remember, you are extraordinary. You were born into an extraordinary world and you are extraordinary. Let's own that together. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.